0: hello and welcome back to um, the August now August gosh, the, the time is going past quickly this summer, but the August edition of our residential experts with um, former um, CEO of property Mark Mark Hayward, just move-in ambassador. How
1: are you, Mark? Um, I'm cooler today than I have been, but no, well, thank you.
0: Yes, it's been unbearably hot. I actually lost the ability to think at some point in the afternoon <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. It was uh, it was horrendous. Um, and, and, and in fact, that's probably the first thing that we should talk about, really. Um, climate is obviously changing um, or seems to be changing. Um, and um, we're going to get more heat waves like this. So how is this going to affect the housing market? Or How is it going to affect how we build houses and things like that?
1: Well, well, I think the recent heatwave has just sort of exacerbated the problem. And the problem has, uh, has been there and has been raised uh, relatively lately in the past as to an issue, particularly uh, with new build properties, uh, which are hugely thermally efficient, but they're built to keep the houses warm, not to keep the houses cool. And I know some occupants on, uh, in flatted developments where windows don't even open Um, have been finding it completely unbearable. So I think um, the government is going to have to look at the requirements for uh, what new homes are built and how they're constructed. Um, We don't think that air conditioning uh, is probably the right solution because it's terribly energy inefficient. Mm. Um, It needs to be something, whether you can look at in properties, sort of a reversible heat pump. Uh, But again, that's got quite a large cost to it, or whether the the thermal dynamics of a property are altered. Um, And and normally we'd look always north to see how houses are being kept warm in Scandinavia, etc. But now perhaps we're going to have to look south to see how properties in the future can be um, reflective of what is undeniably climate change.
0: Yes, I mean it, it's difficult. I, I guess there are two issues there, aren't there? There's there's what we can do with existing housing stock, what people out there can do to keep their houses cool, and then the second issue, of course, is is what you know what we can do from a planning perspective um, with with houses that are being built in the future. And I know that the government is now introducing. Um, what was this again um part o of the building regulations it's it's a new thing there where the developers aren't particularly happy about this because they think they're going to have to go back to the drawing board with some of the houses that they've already had architects um draw up um so it's very tricky i mean for people um for people out there watching this that are uh, trying to keep their their homes um cool and don't necessarily have a lot of money to spend i mean What can we suggest, just things like shutters and keeping the
1: curtains closed? If you look at um, Southern Europe, um, it is shutters are closed virtually all day. Mm. Um, uh, You don't allow doors to be open, windows to be open. Uh, You keep it very, very cool. Sadly, you keep it very, very dark. Mm. Um, Not a lot we can do with existing stock, except for sort of draw the curtains. Um, Yes, Yeah. is Or the blinds or what you, whatever you may have. Um, or uh, And, uh, you know, the sales of fans has gone through the roof, but all a fan does is just recirculates the hot air around the room or around the house. It doesn't actually cool it in any way.
0: Yeah, and I mean, our housing stock isn't particularly well suited either, is it? Just like, it, you know, our homes aren't very well insulated. If you are going to put in air conditioning into an old house that's all very drafty, it's probably not going to be that efficient anywhere.
1: No, I mean bizarrely, probably the very old housing stock is probably better uh, in hot weather than uh, new. It's not very good for cold weather either. But you know, it's, if it's a stone property, it doesn't change much in temperature uh, inside from December to August. But um, yeah. the majority.
0: Yeah, I mean, how many um, stone houses are, are out there? Um probably not that many. I don't know off the top of my head. My, my parents actually live in a, in, a, in a stone property and it's all very cool in there throughout yeah. the year. Apart from in their conservatory, which is unbearable at all times, if you get um, The actual house itself is okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean this, this is a serious problem. I mean, I think in, in two years ago, in 2020, uh, about 2,500 people died as a result of the heat wave, and it's going to be worse this time, so it'll be interesting to see what the government does, and also there's a subsidence risk, isn't there, if we have long... Um,
1: uh, Yeah, you have subsidence, so when when a property moves, it's either heave or subsidence, so if it gets wet and it's a clay soil, it rises up, if it becomes hot, it shrinks, and of course if there are any trees or large bushes, etc, nearby, they draw the water out, so yep it's a problem, so insurance premiums will probably go up to reflect that. and I suppose you know we've we've had our leadership race um we will know in September uh who the new prime minister is. um They've all made those that were contenders and 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 the two that have been successful have made great claims about what they want to do uh with the housing market. none of it's particularly new um you know it's built on brownfield house. Sites build more houses. I think one was talking about modular houses uh, being built. Um, although one of the major developers has just um, recently closed its modular housing division because it's too expensive. And it's a bit like your point uh, earlier about developers—they look to profit. So anything that's going to increase the building cost um, of of land that they've already bought, so the price is fixed. Um, is going to mean that they will have to put the the prices of new homes up um, to reflect that. Uh, And at the moment, they seem to be able to, I won't say get away with it, but because the housing stock on the market is very low, new homes are selling at a premium. So that may well have to continue.
0: It would be interesting as well to see what effect all this has on commercial buildings as well, because all, all, if, you, if you take a walk through London, all the new buildings are just made from glass and yep. you know, they're just like greenhouses.
1: But mm, commercial buildings tend to be air conditioning, air conditioning, mm. Mm. Uh, and I think when the recent house wave started, the number of people returning to their office increased quite substantially uh, mm. because warm, it was cooler sorry, cooler there than their own home. I mean, I wouldn't have mm. fancied commuting particularly in that sort of way. But uh no, commercial buildings can have to look at the same, same thing. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, well we'll leave we'll leave that one there for now. And hopefully everyone's cool by the time that they're by the time they're watching this. Um so just moving on to our next subject today, it's something that was published on the, the Just Meet blog um a couple of weeks ago, and that is about um whether um, we should have auction-style sales packs um, for all properties, so properties marketed through and sold through estate agents as well. Um, This is something you've mentioned very briefly in in previous discussions that we've had. Um, Yeah, would you you like to elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you or I can buy a house today um, at auction. Uh, We don't even need to have seen it, but the legal pack and everything that a purchaser requires searches etc is already done and is there uh in a standardized form uh for them to see uh okay it takes time to prepare and that's one of the arguments against um extending this to private treaty but we know national trading stands for state agents has already increased the requirement for um statutory information material information to be provided on agents particulars we know that uh, uh and we spoke about it before, that the time it takes for a house once the sale agreed to get to exchange of contracts is just getting worse. You know, we're 18, 90, 20 weeks or more. Um, it needs to be grasped. Um, before they talked about, well, agents and lawyers need to sort this problem out together. But, you know, you put agents and lawyers in a room, it's not always good and when I started uh, putting them all in a room together, not only did I discover that agents and lawyers don't always get on, but lawyers and lawyers don't always get on. Mm -hmm. Um, But something's got to be done. It's a huge amount of time. It increases the cost. Um, There's been lots of attempts to produce a standardised seller's pack, um, but that's voluntary. Um, We we did have HIPS,
0: Yes, yeah, uh, mm.
1: day. Uh, unfortunately, the Tories um, abolished hips. Um, the word the word hips is sort of banned uh, at at D-Luck or or TCLG that used to be called. Um, but that would satisfy or solve. Uh, a lot of the problems that we now have, you, you know, you had a you had a home inspector that went out and took all the details down, did all that, uh, did a condition report, uh, which we don't have, uh, which you don't actually have on a on a auction particular. But again, that would help if it's a condition report. It's similar to the home report that they have up in Scotland. Uh, all right, it's not a full report, but at least it it helps them. So uh, yeah, I would I would particularly be in favour of it. But it needs. To, I think it needs to be mandatory rather than let's all work, try to work together to make this happen, and it's not happening.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess opponents of this idea would say, well, you know, anything that it, you know increases the number of hoops that sellers have to jump through, um, it is not a good thing, and it might, it, you know, encourage people not to list. Um, but the problem with um, the problem with that, of course, is that we've got to encourage people to buy. And so it's kind of, which way around does it go? And, and I guess people could point to the problems with with, with hips um, and say, well, that proves that anything that's adding red tape will have a detrimental effect. But then hips themselves were flawed, weren't they? It was almost like a watered-down yep. version of what was required.
1: Yeah, when it actually came through, they'd taken out the mandatory condition report. As you say, it was watered down. Um, it did, really didn't, in terms of, Buyers seem to have much um, value, uh, it, and it delayed it a bit. There was a whole industry that grew around it, um, but uh, you know, it can it can be done. It just means, and you know, okay, sellers might like not like it, but most sellers are also buyers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Apart from time buyers, and, and again, you know, got first time buyers. It must. It would help them. It's all there. You know, yeah. they're, uh, you know they're a vulnerable group. They haven't done it before. Um, and everything is there for them Uh, Mm -hmm. and they don't understand the delays or why there is a delay Um, I was going to say they don't understand the complexities because actually moving you know the legal process for moving house isn't complex it's just drawn out and then you have uh, a number of parties within the process you have buyer and seller you have buyer and seller's lawyers you have a lender uh, involved you may have some surveyors involved so there's There's a a, a load of issues, not issues, points that have to be drawn in for it to go through.
0: It just seems to me that, I mean, it's such fundamental information, the stuff that you get in a property information form and a fixtures and fittings form. They're telling you what's included in the sale. Um, And you you, you wouldn't go and buy a a secondhand car, would you, without the service record? So surely this this information should be provided up front. and, And most people know about their property off the top of their head so it wouldn't take too long for them to do um so yeah
1: they're they're not people you know the psyche of they're not even thinking about they don't even you know perhaps they might now ask what the epc rating is on a property but actually that's not a fundamental um reason why they will buy or not buy a property but as you go back to that um car analogy you wouldn't you know you'd always ask what what the mpg is on a car what's the servicing cost how long is it when does it have to be serviced etc etc uh mm. and yet the cost whilst it's high is nothing like buying a house and particularly uh, at the moment when we, we've got energy costs going through mm. not just the roof but the stratosphere um people should be looking at that and i suppose again on the epc it, it affects the renting side as well um, where people are locked in, but going back to the original question, yes, let's make it completely transparent, mandatory, uh, and accepted by all to make the house moving and selling process speedy.
0: Amen. I agree. <laughs> well, the next um, the next um, topic of conversation that I wanted to, to introduce is um, obviously the cost of living crisis is still ongoing. And um, we've heard that energy bills are going to go up again dramatically in October, which is obviously going to hit a lot of people hard in the pocket. Um, and we also know that rents are still rising um, at, a, at, a, at a high rate. Um, it's been the case for a while. Um, so therefore, is it time that we start talking about rent caps?
1: Oh, rent caps. Um, well, you know, the mayor of London is uh, in favour of rent caps, Uh if you go on the continent, places like Germany uh, have had rent caps uh, for a long time. Uh, they also have uh, a more secure legal system for for tenants uh, that protects them uh, in more ways than just uh, rent controls. The, I suppose the problem with the rent control is it inhibits investment uh, in housing unless you can cap The cost at a fixed rate for a long period of time uh, if you are either a professional landlord housing association or a buy-to-let purchaser Um, we know they talked about it a lot in Scotland uh, Northern Ireland's getting towards uh, that way we know the government perceives the word landlord as being wicked, uh, and it's not they're not good people, well, as we all know that the majority are. Um, so, I, in one way, I would be against it because I think it would have um, unintended consequences uh, yes. with exiting the uh, landlords, exiting the market, and having less stock available. But if there was some way of uh, building in um, to any tenancy an affordable increase or a fixed term uh, yeah. more than the say the six month AST that would probably be a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think that the history of rent control in this country—I mean, you'll, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong—but they were, um, rent controls were sort of abolished about three, three or four decades ago, and the experience was that a lot of landlords left the market, you know, the, the, you know, housing stock in the private rental sector went down considerably. Um, and so anything, I guess, that could persuade landlords to leave the sector again at this point, where we already have a massive shortage of property, um, would sound like a, a bit of a risk to me. Uh,
1: I think it would be a risk. Uh, as we've said before, um, landlords are perceiving the market is still uh, uh very buoyant house prices are rising as our rents are rising so should i exit now and cash in um so now i think you have to look at what the, the sentiment for the landlords just as well as the tenants of course mm-hmm. the tenants really don't have much of a representation whereas the landlords are quite a powerful group
0: yeah i mean it'd be difficult to know you know the term if they did implement rent caps how they would do it um, I know that um, they have a model in Sweden where um, in the private rental sector, rents are only allowed to be 5% more than they are in social housing. Whether they could do something like that here, um, it, it, it's tricky to know how they would how they would do it if they decided to do it.
1: Yeah, and at the moment, and, and I know it's in the renters' reform uh, proposals, but we have landlords are, in effect, unregulated, uh, unidentifiable, um so you've got to bring all those in before actually you, can, you, you will have the ability to control.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess the landlords have so much on their I mean we keep coming to the back to this, don't we, that landlords feel somewhat under siege at the moment, don't they? And, and and this is going to feel like another kick in the teeth. If they're having to make improvements in their properties to improve its EPC and things like that, and yet at the same time they're told that rents need to be controlled. It's a,
1: it's a bit does, of a tough gig, isn't it? it? It probably doesn't add up, does it? Financially, no. it, it's not good. You'd then just be relying upon capital growth as an incentive, but you know, capital growth is not guaranteed.
0: Yeah, and of course, all of this in the background are that a lot of tenants need a, a lot of help. Um, I was reading the other day that I think that shelter define rent as unaffordable, if you're spending a third of your monthly income on rent. Well, there's a lot of people, particularly in London, who are paying a lot more than that, maybe paying they're half. Paying, so.
1: Statistically, they're paying over half mm. um, their uh, take-home pay, whereas a mortgage uh, a mortgage borrower is probably at 30-something percent because mm. they, they're only allowed to borrow so much.
0: So landlords have got it tough. Tenants have got, have got it tough. Um, whoever walks into number 10 in, in September is going to have um, a rather tough brief to sort all of this out.
1: Uh, I think they are. We'll have to see what their priorities uh, mm-hmm. are. That uh, watch, that, watch frequently, that, that frequently vacated space.
0: Yes. Um, and that kind of is, is a nice segue into my, into my next question, which is that, Obviously, we've, we've talked a lot about the Renters' Reform Bill, but now with Michael Gove exiting the building, Boris Johnson exiting the building, we've now got Greg Clark is, um, is, is filling the breach, um, at least for now. Um, do you think that all of these um, all of these um, twists and turns at, at Westminster may impact whether the Renters' Reform Bill is going to actually happen?
1: Well, we know that... Uh, Michael Gove pushed for it because it was um, a notch on his belt, so to speak. Um, we know that, and he was the Secretary of State, we know that Eddie Hughes, who's the Housing Minister, particularly for the rental sector, uh, is still in post. Um, from recent conversations with officials, I know they are continuing to work at the same pace uh, on the Renters' Reform Bill. Uh, and I know that at the end of July uh, the leveling up committee not the department leveling up committee announced that they were looking at the draft bill um and seeking um responses via consultation so at the moment it's still proceeding but we've known you know for years that for instance the regulation of property agents is still proceeding but we don't actually get to a culmination of those proceedings and actually um mandatory legal enforcement
0: yeah and and then a general election in in a couple of years time we could have a a a completely new government we might even have a coalition government of some form in two years and they'll have their own ideas
1: and that sort of you know is is how is is housing political or personal i mean it's personal but it's it is used as a political tool
0: Mm. yeah i mean do, do you think all of these all of these changes have a detrimental effect on the on the property sector per se or would you think that the sector is quite robust and used to it
1: i think this, this those that operate in the sector um are used to it uh, and pretty robust it is the consumer that isn't either aware um whether they buyers sellers tenants or landlords sometimes, actually what is going on, what's on the horizon, what needs to be on the horizon. So it doesn't generally um, affect the market. But, of course, if something like um, rent controls came in or increased taxation, we know when the increased stamp duty came through on second properties uh, uh, and other measures, that the the buy-to-let landlord ran for the hills. There was a huge amount of sales. So it can affect it. Um, it's always difficult to actually dis- decide and discern what affects a market because a lot of it is about sentiment. Mm. How do people feel? Not what's down there in black and white, but how do people feel? And perhaps going back to your previous comments, we've got the cost of cost of living is rising and is going to continue to rise. There does come a point where things are unaffordable. Yeah. Yeah, tough times. I think for and interesting times as well. Yeah. We're not being depressing with it; it's being realistic. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Um, well, for, for the final thing I wanted to, to
0: talk to you today, and I think you were kind of sort of going towards it a little bit there, is you, you've talked to me in the past about um, what you call property soup. Um, yes. And I just wanted you to, 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 to explain what you mean by that, um, yeah. because it's quite interesting hearing you talk about it.
1: Well, when I talk about property soup, um, it's because I, I've been giving some thought um, to the market and before we have these sorts of sessions, and I actually trying to draw in some of the uh, things that will affect the market moving forward. Uh, most agents setting up business, um, letting or sales, will just look at you know what's the available stock um what's going to happen but what we're not looking at is and this is why i call it let's throw everything in we know we're not you know we're we're not looking at mortality rates we're not looking necessarily at the number of houses that have to be built in the next 10 years when we've got new households going to increase by 1.6 million before 2030 um we've got a housing population that's increasing because more people want it we've got people living longer so therefore houses at the top we've got first time buyers who find finding it increasingly difficult um, to buy we've still got this north south shift and you know it's something we really need to look at because housing isn't six months ahead it's not two years ahead it's not three years ahead it's 10 20 30 years ahead you know what's going to happen to all these people who are sat in rented accommodation when they when they retire Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not, they're not going to have that capital um, to rely on. And again, on that retirement issue, normally we would see people retire um, at an earlier stage and sell their property. Uh, that's not happening. The baby boomers, just coming to an end, I speak from experience, are not selling. Um, and they're not also passing down uh, equity, in effect, um, to mm-hmm. Their children, so that, there's a problem. Um, we've got three, four countries um, all doing different, you know, England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, all doing slightly different things. And I think we've re- re- really got to try and put, put something together um, that, or, or really start to think about it in terms of re- research um, to see sort of extrapolate what's going to happen uh, and why, because it's not just going to be about mortgage, High mortgage rates are low, then loans are easy to get, or they're building more houses. Well, they're not building more houses because they don't want to erode the profit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, you know, look at other countries where, you know, should we be talking about multi-generational living, where we're all, you know, grandparents, parents, children, all live in the same property and just move around that property as as their age changes you know we talked briefly about modular houses uh there's a whole there's loads of things to throw into this soup um hopefully that end up making it palatable
0: (laughs) i guess what makes it difficult is that the chef's only there in five year stints in the nature of our democracy is that
1: if that and someone likes they like to tweak tweak it um Mm. and but it's trying to yeah, look at everything that would affect it. Well, you know, There are a lot of researchers out there doing it, but are they doing it correctly and are they doing it for a long period of time in terms of the viewpoint uh, moving forward?
0: Yeah, so it, it's about people taking a view, sort of a 20-, 30-, 40-year view, but of course governments are only ever interested in the next election, I guess. But Correct. maybe there uh, may be some sort of cross-bench agreements. I don't know.
1: And 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 individually, consumers they buy a property. They think they're only going to be there for seven, ten years. Yeah. Twenty five years later, they're still there. Uh, you know, that is already changing. But what are we going to do about it?
0: Yeah, indeed, it's a, it's interesting stuff. And and maybe we'll we'll leave it there with with that sort of question hanging in the air. Uh, and perhaps we'll we'll touch again on this in a at some point in the future. Um, Look. Yeah, so, so let's, let's wrap things up for, for this month, for August, and we'll, we'll talk again in September. Um, are you off, off anywhere interesting on your holidays?
1: Um, I'm, off to, oh, I'm off to Europe, so France, so um, yeah. providing I can get there. Um, it, should be, it should be okay.
0: It should be okay. We'll have a nice time and we'll reconvene in a month. Thanks very much for your time, Mark, and thank you everyone for, for joining us as well. Thanks very much bye